are in the book of Mark. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, just to be prepared as we get there, we'll be in Mark chapter 8. If this is your first time here today at Keystone Church, I want to welcome you, and I want to thank you so much for being with us. I understand that you have a lot of options when you think of church, and I want to thank you for being here with us today. We have several people here today to see some baptisms, and I want to welcome family members and friends of those who are getting baptized today as well. And we want to thank you so much for being here. Those of you who are joining us online, we want to welcome you. I know some of you are watching uh, for baptisms as well at the end. Some family may be out of town, and we want to welcome you. Local guests that are following us online as well, uh, we want to thank you for being with us today. Um, we're in the 25th Sunday in the book of Mark, and we are approaching the end of Mark chapter 8, and um, I have enjoyed, our, our series is, is entitled Dirt Roads, and we're just walking with Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, that's where we're going. That's the, that's the theme. And so we've been here for, for six months or so, uh, six months plus probably because we've had a couple of one-off sermons that weren't in this series, um, and I'm looking forward to where we're headed here in this series. Today's sermon is simply entitled this, The Next Step. The Next Step. If you were here last Sunday, we preached on Peter's confession of faith. Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ. Peter makes a clear confession of faith, and we spoke last week about the importance of a clear confession of faith. What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? It's an inevitable question that you and I must face, and we face it here in this life, and if we refuse to face it here in this life, we will face it in the next. But Peter has just made this bold declaration, this statement of faith and what immediately follows is our text today it is jesus teaching his disciples and peter obviously uh, what life will look like if you truly make that confession of faith hey, listen i believe that jesus is who he said he is that he that he was that he was uh, 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 put up on that cross and he he died a humble death and that he was buried and that he rose again three days later i believe that if you make that declaration, believing in his name, and want to live a life following Jesus, this text teaches us what the next step is going to look like, what it's going to look like. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're, you're new uh, to the faith, maybe you have just recently uh, trusted in Jesus, or maybe uh, you're here and you trusted Jesus a long time ago, but, but you have not been taking steps Maybe today this is exactly for you, and I hope that it is. Our text this morning is Mark chapter 8 and verse 31 is where we'll begin. If you have a Bible, great. If not, pull it up on an app. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me this morning. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. 
When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. May your word shine through. May it not be the opinions of man. But may today it be your word. Holy Spirit, use it in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to jump right in this morning. I am well aware that we're baptizing seven people this morning, and I want to give time for that, and uh, we celebrate. That's a baptism celebration, so y'all just get ready to clap and all that good stuff. It's coming, and, uh, and so just get ready. If you can clap randomly in the sermon, too, I'm good with that. I don't care. Just, just randomly. It's all good, but uh, I want us to see, first of all, as we walk through this text, I want us to see a change in perspective, a change in perspective. The first three verses of our text, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. When he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Up until this time, we know Jesus had come as the promised one he had come as the messiah in fact last week we spoke about how when peter made that confession of him as christ that is the promised messiah and so up until this time we had those especially those jews that had believed that jesus was merely going to be the next king of israel think about the lineage of that you have saul you have david you have solomon and other other kings of israel and so many of the jews thought that that Jesus would just come and lead their nation, that he would be a better version of David. By the way, he's a perfect version of David. He'd be a better version of Solomon. He's a perfect version of Solomon. But that he would come and he would lead their nation. He would protect them from Roman rule. He would continue to move them forward as a nation. By the way, lest we heed this warning here, we, we are Christians infinitely more times before we are Americans. We are Christians infinitely more times than we are whatever nationality we happen to be. That doesn't mean we can't appreciate the nations that we come from, but it does mean that our perspective must be uh, a spiritual perspective here. But Jesus changes that perspective from like, are you going to be the king of our nation? He, he immediately says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to declare me as Christ, he moves them from thinking in the temporary of being our national king to thinking in the eternal. Thinking from the here and now to thinking in the forever. He tells them that not only is he not going to be that king, he's not going to be the nationalistic king of Israel, but that he is actually going to suffer. He's going to be rejected and ultimately be killed and hung on a cross. He says... You think I'm going to be the king who wins the election? Or you're, I'm going to be the king who comes and leads the nation forward, but I'm coming to tell you that I'm actually going to suffer. 
Instead of be elected, I'm going to be rejected. And I'm going to die. Uh, imagine the thought process of, of those who were following him, who were thinking of him simply as the king of the Jews. He informs them of that impending rejection, suffering, and death, things you don't think about when you think about a leader of a nation, per se. For the last two years, they had watched him perform signs and wonders. They had seen him uh, heal people. They had seen him uh, remove uh, sickness from people and, and raise people from the dead. They had seen him cast demons out of people. And surely he would be the conquering king who would lead their nation. But instead of being the king of their nation, he says, I'm going to actually be the king over death. I'm going to actually be the king of kings. Instead of the national leader, I'm going to be your only spiritual hope. And he was very clear. He tells them very clearly in this text that he is going to suffer. He's going to be rejected. And he's going to be killed. As we know, the solemn reality, for reasons that I can't seem to wrap around, was pretty much ignored by the disciples. He says, I'm going to be killed and that I am going to rise again three days later. We all know that that happened, that he died on a cross. And three days later, you would think, because of texts like this, that there was a welcoming committee prepared and waiting for Jesus. Not the case. I, I will never understand that. I cannot wrap my head around how oftentimes Jesus spoke of his coming crucifixion, but that he would rise three days later. And it blows my mind that his followers and closest disciples weren't there when it happened. But here's another instance of that. They, obviously, their perspective was not there. As followers of Jesus, we must be aware and accept that we are not serving a king of this world. We're not serving a king who is going to lead our nation. We are serving a king who sacrificed everything for the whole world. We're, we are serving a king this morning who's the king of kings and the, the Lord of lords. And, and he is the king of this world so that we might gain everything out of this world. He is the king who sacrificed everything in this life so that we could have eternal life. It was a change of perspective. And these, these folks didn't understand it. Hey, Jesus, we declare you to be the Christ. And he immediately goes, okay, let me tell you, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to suffer rejection. By the way, three days later, I'm going to rise again. He immediately takes them to the gospel, to the truth of the gospel. By the way, side note, Peter had just declared the gospel that you are the Christ. And Jesus goes, hey, the first step is let's further understand the gospel. And guess what the next step is in your Christian life? Let's further understand the gospel. Let's further understand the gospel. Let's further understand the gospel. 25 years later, let's further understand the gospel. 30 years later, let's, let's, let's understand even more about the gospel. It's interesting to me that Jesus immediately reverts right back and points him right back to the gospel. Our perspective this morning must change from wanting an earthly king to seeking and following after the eternal king of kings. And let me tell you something this morning. We do a great job of it here at our church. But, but if I may just say, this church takes no stance on any sort of a king of this city of Durham, a king of our state, or king of our country. 
This church right here focuses on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you'd like to go to a church who focuses on all the other earthly kings, I've got a list of about 10 of them I can give you after the service where you can go hear services about politics. But I'm here this morning to tell you that we have a king who reigns over all of that. And that's the king that we serve this morning. Get ready for baptisms. You can clap. It's all good. Secondly, this morning, secondly, we see a change in perspective. But number two, we see a change in practice. A change in practice. I actually am alliterated this morning. I typically don't do that. And so please don't make fun of me. They all start with a P. All right, here we go. A change in practice. Verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I'm not going to spend, I really could deep dive here. And I'm not going, but, but I try to think of who he was speaking to. In order to properly gain scripture in context, you have to remember who was speaking, who they were speaking to, and what was going on in the time. When Jesus just gets done telling them, I'm going to suffer and be rejected and I'm going to die on a cross and three days later I'm going to rise again and then he says hey if you're going to follow me you have to take up your cross I personally believe that physically literally those who were sitting here listening were thinking okay if he's going to die on a cross he's basically saying I want you to be beside me and I want you to die beside me physically this is what the, the disciples and his followers were hearing him say Certainly some were there that had begun doing some of these things of denying themselves and, and following him, but, but they were thinking very literally this morning. And I want us to break this apart as to what he was truly speaking of. This is what it was going to look like to follow Jesus. He first says, whoever desires to come after me or follow me, let him deny himself. So first of all, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Deny yourself. To deny yourself. Jesus says, in order to follow me, you must deny you. Give up your right to determine things on your own. Live your life only as the Holy Spirit leads. Give up your right to make decisions. Give that right to the Holy Spirit. Treasure and value Jesus more than you treasure and value yourself and your comforts and your desires, and your plans, and your dreams. He says, deny yourself. Jesus says, make this statement as John does. You must increase, and I must decrease this morning. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow Jesus, he says, number one, to deny yourself. And in our culture and society, and I, I think I as well as you, we are all guilty of this, that we are so self-focused. And certainly there are times when we do need to take care of ourselves spiritually, emotionally, physically. But that is so ingrained in who we are now in our, in our, in our culture that Jesus says, no, d deny yourself. Deny yourself. Don't live for what you want. Don't, don't live, don't make determinations on your own. No, deny yourself and live as Jesus leads. Live as the Holy Spirit leads. Treasure and value Jesus. Don't treasure and value things. So Jesus says, Peter, you declared that I'm the Christ. 
First of all, you got to change your perspective. I'm not coming to rule and reign your nation. I'm coming to rule and reign as king of kings. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. Think spiritually. Peter, secondly, listen, man, if you're going to follow me, i got to let you know something. If you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. It can no longer be about Peter. Now, we know Peter's not perfect at this. There's some things about to come up in Peter's life. We know Peter doesn't get this immediately, which is awesome because none of us do either. But he says to deny yourself, Peter. You have to deny yourself. It can no longer be all about you. But secondly, he says to take up your cross and follow me. To take up your cross. The cross is for all who follow Christ. Christ leads the procession carrying his cross. And we, his followers, walk in his footsteps bearing our own crosses. And and certainly in that day, I believe many thought physically of actually carrying a cross beside him. But obviously the context and what we, we apply it today, what are our crosses? What are our crosses? They're not simply this morning trials and hardships. They're not, typically, they're not simply those things in life that we don't like. It's typical for us to think anything difficult, like a mother-in-law who might be watching right now. Shout out, Linda. Um, or maybe like an aggressive HOA president. You know, those mother-in-laws and them are about on the same, same level, right? Aggressive HOA, a mother-in-law. We might think of those things as like, oh, this is... And have you ever heard people say, this is just my cross to bear? No, that's called life. That happens to the, to the righteous and to the unrighteous. Man, you moved into the neighborhood. You knew what the HOA was. Like, that's on you. No, we can, we can not properly call those normal things crosses no a cross this morning comes specifically from walking in the steps of jesus and embracing his life taking up a cross is following in the footprints and the footsteps of jesus and embracing his life it comes from bearing rejection and suffering because we are embracing the narrow way of the cross from Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life this morning. It comes from living the Christ life in the middle of a sinful culture and a sinful generation and a sinful world this morning. It comes from embracing weaknesses instead of embracing our power. It comes from a dedication to Jesus. Look at it this way. Difficulties are not crosses, but difficulties for Christ's sake our crosses. Difficulties as a result of Christ, those are crosses. Suffering is not a cross, but suffering for the cause of Christ is a cross. And I'm about to ask us a very difficult question here in, in America. And I ask myself, have we had any difficulties or Sufferings or rejections simply from following in the footsteps of Jesus? Have I truly borne a cross? And listen, praise God that we are for right now in a country where we don't experience the level of persecution and suffering and rejection that is felt all over this world. Praise the Lord for that. But my question is, am I walking in the steps of Jesus 
so that if one day there comes legitimate persecution, legitimate suffering, legitimate rejection, am I bearing that cross in his steps? That's a convicting question. And it it should convict you as it convicts me this morning. Listen, if we're going to follow Jesus, we must deny ourselves, give up our rights, give up our decisions, give up our plans and our goals and our desires. And we must decrease and he must increase. We must take up our cross. You say, Josh, right now in my life, there's not some legitimate, tangible things that seem to be, that's fine. My question is, are we following in his steps so that if and when those times come, we're his. If and when those times come in our lives, we, we have our cross to bear. This declaration that Peter made that you were the Christ, the son of the living God, was going to mean something much deeper than what most people and probably Peter even thought to this time. This life of following Jesus did not, was not, he was not going to serve in the Supreme Court under President Jesus. He was not going to be in the cabinet for President Jesus. No, this was, Peter, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to make that declaration this morning, you're going to need to deny yourself. And Peter, we know you. You're a lot about yourself. Not you, Peter. I, we laughed about that a couple weeks ago. Peter's like the anti-Peter. I'm actually Peter, I think, but uh, in the Bible. But no, Peter, it's going to include denying yourself. And Peter was a very self-person. Taking up your cross to follow him. So we've seen a change in perspective. We've seen a change in practice. That's our next step as a follower of Jesus. But thirdly and lastly, I want us to see a change in priorities. A change in priorities. We're walking right through the text this morning. That's what we do here. Verse 35, chapter 8. For whoever desires to save his life, he's going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I'm going to pause. I don't know that there's a more convicting verse. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? It's a tough question. What will a man give in exchange, verse 37, for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I feel like Jesus presses in a little further to point number one today, which was a change of perspective. And he pushes a little further. And I don't just want your perspective to change. I want your priorities to change. I want your priorities to change. You see... His followers, and still today, his followers tend to value things in this life instead of valuing things in the life that is to come. You see, today, just like back then, we tend to value 
the things that we can see and the tangible, temporary things of this life, we tend to value them in place of valuing the eternal and the life that is to come. He pushes us to not look through the lens of our culture and the lens of our flesh this morning, but he pushes us to look through the gospel lens this morning, and the gospel lens says this, if you will lose your life, if you will not concern yourself with the things of this life, if you will lose your life, if you will concern yourself instead with the life eternal, then you will gain life. That is the gospel lens in which Jesus calls us to look through this morning. Listen, if you will not concern yourself with the tangible and the temporary, then you will gain everything that is eternal this morning. It seems like that's been a theme recently, doesn't it? In fact, I didn't even, I didn't even go to this portion of the text today. I really didn't speak of it. But you, you know the part that when, when Jesus looks at Peter and says, get, behind, get thee behind me, Satan. You remember that? We've all heard that. We read it this morning in our text. What does he say to him? Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God. You're not thinking of eternity, but the things of men. Even in that, even in that challenge, that rebuke that, that Jesus gave Peter, he calls him Satan and says, listen, you're not thinking of the things of God. You're not thinking on the eternal. You're thinking of the tangible. You're thinking of the things of men. And so this is a major theme for Jesus. If we will not concern ourselves with the things of this life, but if we will concern ourselves with the things of eternal life. And so he simply asks it in this way, this very clear, concise way. And I ask you this morning, what will it profit you if you gain everything there is to gain in this world but you lose your own soul why are you living for this life for this stuff for what I come to you today a man who has a problem sometimes with stuff. Being very real with you this morning, I come to you today a man who likes things. I come to you today a man who likes experiences, who doesn't mind paying for them. I come to you today a materialistic man in many ways. I come to you today, I don't have on crazy shoes this morning, but I come to you today a man who likes his shoes. I come, I'm being very real. I come to you today a man who likes to drive a nicer vehicle. I come to you today bearing, being very upfront and honest with you. But I come to you today understanding that those things can burn up today. Every single thing that we have worked for and that we've been given in this life or that we have achieved in this life can and will burn to the ground. It will. And so I ask you today, if you don't want to live for eternity, if you don't want to live giving up this life so that you can in turn gain that life, I ask you what you're living for today. I'd like to take you down the road of the American dream. 
The American dream really begins in ninth grade because that's when they begin looking at your transcripts for college, right? And you got to make these grades right for this, right? And most of the time, unless you're very fortunate, most of the time you graduate from high school and you take out this incredible thing called a student loan. And the American dream begins. And so you get your degree and you graduate because obviously when you get your degree and graduate, you're going to be guaranteed to be making enough money not only to live and to do everything you want to do, but also to pay off all that debt that they gave you as an 18-year-old. Welcome to the American dream. And so you live your life and you work your butt off and you get married and then you have kids and you realize your expenses go up and all these things that happen. And, and then in your head, you're like, I kind of hope they give student loan forgiveness, uh, even though I know it's going to hurt the generations to come and it's not fair to anybody else that actually paid their student loan off. Um, but, and you're thinking through that stuff and this is the American dream, folks. And the American dream says, oh, I'm making this amount of money, but I got offered a job somewhere else so I get a little bit more money. And you know what? It's going to pull me away from my family a lot more, and I'm going to have to do this and that. But you know what? It's a little bit more money. So I'm now on the American dream, and so I'm taking it. And so now my time with my family is a fraction, but I'm, I'm living the American dream. And I've made enough money, and guess what? Where I've got work now, they match a 401k, and I'm getting ready for retirement, and Man, I've been paying in Social Security, and I've done the math, how much I paid in and how much I might get out. Lord, I don't know if this adds up. But I'm living the American dream. And so I'm, I'm calculating, and man, I really did good. I was successful. I had high-paying jobs. Man, I look back on my life, and my life was really good financially, which I hope everybody's is. My life was really good financially, and guess what? Now, I'm going to pass away. I'm going to give my money to my kids. And I say, number one, that I am 100% for financial responsibility. I am 100% for preparation and planning. I am 100% for me preparing to help my children one day after I'm gone. But I ask this simple question. Is that it? Is that it? Is that life? Is that truly life? Work your tail off? That's it? This morning, I, I'm not, I, I'm actually a huge proponent of all the planning. I'm a huge proponent in, in retirement. I'm a huge proponent in all of these things and making wise decisions and not being stupid. I'm all proponent for all of them. But I ask you, is that it? Is that really what it's all about? Or is it about a daily surrender of losing this world and gaining the eternal world? And you say, but Josh, I've got to make ends meet. You absolutely do. So your job becomes a means to an end. Your job becomes a way that you can provide for you and your family and honor Jesus and worship him, but, but in order so you can serve him more. 
in order so you can serve him better, in order so that you can raise your children properly, in order so you can leave a legacy, in order so you can bring more people to Jesus. You see, this morning, the typical American dream, void of Jesus, I want no part of. You remember our, if you were in our connect groups earlier on this year, you remember the treasure principle, Randy Alcorn? This is a parallel somewhat. The one that I remember most vividly, one principle he said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul. May I ask you today, and I'm just, this is very, this is not even, I'm not asking you for anything crazy this morning. I'm asking you this morning, would you take a step this week in your priorities? Would you take a step, and this is the step I want to ask you to take. This week, go work your tail off, work your job, do your thing, the whole deal. But as you're doing that, as you prepare to do that, as you finish doing that each day, would you focus on the eternal? And would you put in perspective the fact that everything you're doing down here, if it doesn't affect up there, then it doesn't matter. That's all I'm asking. I'm asking you to be a plumber who loves Jesus so you're in the plumbing industry so that you can love Jesus better and you can raise your family and you can give back and you can, I'm asking you if you're, a, uh, if you're an administrative assistant, that you're an administrative assistant for Jesus and you worship him through that so that you can perform your other duties as God has given you. It's a change in priority. You see, I'm a child of God first. Identity. I'm a child of God first. And that's what Jesus is calling Peter and the disciples too, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to follow me, listen, man, it can't be about this earth. Hey, if this is about this earth, I'm about to die, bro. And it, notice he didn't even tell Peter and them this. I'm about to die, be buried, rise again three days later, and then I'm going to leave you for good physically. He didn't even tell them that part. He's getting them prepared, though, for like, this is real, Peter. This is spiritual. This is not just... This is not just tangible. This is eternal. And I say this morning, if you're going to take that next step with Jesus, listen, that you have a change of perspective this morning, from temporary to eternal, a change in practice this morning. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And this morning, a change in priorities, prioritizing the next life over this life. As we close this morning the ultimate next step really the ultimate first step in making that declaration to follow Jesus we actually found it we're in the book of Mark we found it in the very first chapter of the book of Mark when Jesus giving the example that we all should follow humbly submitted himself and was baptized by John the Baptist we see the Trinity there we see we saw God the Father 
speaking. We saw God the Son being baptized. We saw the Holy Spirit there. We saw the, the triune God in place at his baptism. But the next step, after publicly, after declaring Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the very next step is to get baptized. It's a step of obedience. It's a public step. Oftentimes, many people trust Jesus in the privacy of their own home and the privacy of their own heart. In fact, a couple of different ones. Uh, Tim had mentioned Abby's. Uh, I'm not giving her testimony for her, but uh, Abby's was a private thing that happened in her, and she told us about it later. Oftentimes, that is a private belief in the heart. But man, baptism is the public profession. It's the, I know what Jesus did inside of me, and I'm willing to tell everyone. I'm willing to publicly declare, Jesus, I'm willing to publicly step out and follow you. It's a public declaration of that truth. This morning, we get to celebrate with those who are taking that step. Five of our seven took that step at teen camp. And man, I'm excited for our teenagers to follow Jesus and baptism publicly. We've got one of uh, an, uh, an adult man who came to faith in Christ a few weeks ago, and Jeff was able to, uh, to, to walk him through and uh, gain him some assurance. And I can't wait for you to hear Alan's story. And Alan, that's my guy right there, man. And then to have Sydney, who I'm going to tell her, I'm not even going to tell her story right now because I'm going to baptize her, I'm going to tell her story then. We have one of our, our kids and Keystone kids getting baptized. Listen, you know what all that is? Following Jesus. It's the next step. Hey, what's the step after that? Don't worry about it. Just, we're going to take this step of baptism. The next step will be walking in the Spirit. The next step would be hearing from God and His Word. The next step would be serving in His church. The next step would be loving your spouse. The next step would be parenting your children. The next step would there's a lot of next steps. There's a lot of next steps. But today we're going to celebrate the most important foundational step that we can take. And that is a step of publicly declaring our faith in Jesus through baptism. Folks, we all have a next step. That's why I titled this in this way. If you've been saved for 25, uh, ma'am, can we do this if that's okay? How many of you in, in the room here have been, you have been a believer in Jesus for more than 25 years? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. If you raised your hand this morning, guess what? You have a next step. If you just trusted Christ within the last two to three months, guess what? You have a next step. Listen, the life, Christian life is a journey. It's a journey full of steps. So I ask you today, been saved for 25 years? Awesome. Brand new Christian? Awesome. I ask you, are you taking the proper steps? Deny yourself. Daily take up your cross and follow Jesus. Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.